Thank you for listening to the Silver Club Podcast. Here's your host, two-time Walker Cupper and former world amateur number one Steve Scott, and men's golf coach at Yale University and golf historian Colin Sheehan. Welcome to episode number 58 of the Silver Club Podcast. We are giving Colin the week off this week. He is so busy with the Yale Bulldog team as he guides them to another Ivy League championship this spring. But we really look forward to bringing you a great podcast this week. It is Masters Week, the official start of spring in the golf world, and the first men's major is right on the horizon. And we've got an awesome guest this week, Mr. Brian Katrick. He's not only a veteran broadcaster, having done Ryder Cups, PGA Tour events, majors all over the planet, he has covered the Masters for many, many years and will be on the call this year for Sirius XM. But before we get to this podcast with BK, just wanted to talk to you about some of the great happenings that have been going on with the Silver Club Golfing Society. We've got a couple events under our belt. Back in late February, we traveled down to Florida to the great Seth Rainer design of Mountain Lake, and it was our annual four-ball event we call the Orange Cup. The overall winners were Lawrence Largen of Kingsport, Tennessee, and Chad McGraw of Marshall, Missouri. And the winners of our Scotch division were Justin Lyle Purdy and Mark Grabowski. Great four-ball event that we have every year, and Mountain Lake was a wonderful old classic that we just couldn't get enough of. We could have stayed there all month. It was so great. And then recently, we moved on, and we had an event out in Scottsdale. We called it the Cactus Wren. It was out at Wekapa. We played both courses out there, as well as a great challenge match at the Mirabelle Club. Chad McGraw took home another title at Weekopaw, and Craig Vanderlaan from Dallas, Texas, got the job done on the Scotch side. Just so you all know, the Scotch is a fancy name we use for the net division. Winners win a couple really cool Scotch classes etched with the SCGS logo on them. And upcoming soon, right after this Masters Week, we've got some appetizing venues on the docket. A Donald Ross gem in Knoxville called Holston Hills will be there for a couple days. We'll be at Trinity Forest in Dallas, and we'll have a great challenge match at a fun Top 100 designed by Tom Fazio there in Dallas as well. We're also going to head out to Bulls Bay in Charleston come May for our Low Country Boil, our first match play major of the year. We'll work our way up the East Coast to Rhode Island in early June and play Wanamoiset Country Club and Wanamatonomy. Wanamoiset has been the host of the Northeast Amateur for many, many years and has just undergone a huge renovation by famed architect Andrew Green, and we are going to be some of the first to be able to see that great venue. And Wanamatonomy is a Seth Rain 
Rayner that played host to the U.S. Amateur and co-hosted with Newport Country Club back in 1995, co-hosted the stroke play portion of that event. We've also got some sought-out tea times at Sand Valley. We're making our first overseas trip to the home of the Silver Club in Scotland to tee it up at Turnberry, Troon, Prestwick, have a proper 36-hole day at Muirfield, just to name a few. We always love creating these really special opportunities for our single-digit handicaps to get together, fraternize, and compete on some of the world's best and most compelling venues built by some of the greatest architects golf has ever known. And I'm personally happy to connect with you about all the great experiences that we create where you can hit shots that matter. Just head over to silverclubgs.com on the web and fill out the short info form and I will personally get back to you. I've been speaking with people every day about our great society and I look forward to speaking with you too very soon. And if you want to see some of the past venues we visited, just hop on our Instagram page at silverclubgolf. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn as well. But Instagram really has all the best pictures. So hop on there and see all the fun that we've had in our first three years of the Silver Club Golfing Society. Big thank you to our sponsors, Turtleson. Andy Plate and his team helped provide our society with some of the best apparel out there. Their logos are detailed, customer service unmatched, and they've created some special event logos for us that make each one of our events absolutely pop. Hop on turtleson.com and get a feel for everything that they have to offer. Putt View Books. Get to know all the golf course, all the carries over the bunkers, the run-out distances to all the penalty areas, all the green contours. Check out Putt View. They're doing some really fun custom green book covers for us in our major events, and they've turned out amazing. Go over to puttviewbooks.com scgs and save $20 on your next order. Two under inventors of the joey pouch and makers of the softest underwear on the planet if you own a pair you know exactly what i mean hop on two under.com that's two u-n-d-r.com and enter silver club 20 at checkout and save 20 percent on your next order and last but not least torch eyewear one of the veterans in the sunglass industry lewis wellen and his team at torch have designed an amazing array of eyewear that not only looks stylish, it protects your eyes from all the harmful rays when you're out grinding away on the practice tee or wherever you visit out in the sun, maybe on the boat, who knows. Hop on TorchEyewear.com and check out the sweet shades that get you styling the next time you are out and about. Okay, without further ado, let's get to our Masters Week podcast and Brian Katrick, the great SiriusXM, PGA Tour Live, and everything broadcaster. Enjoy this great podcast. All right, we are so excited here on the Silver Club Podcast to have not only a veteran broadcaster, but a Silver Club member as well in Mr. Brian Katrick. What's going on, BK? It is an honor to be on the podcast. Yes, I am a. Uh, I think I may have even finished top ten in my first in my, in my Silver Club debut because I don't know. <laughs> the, uh, and I think there were more than ten people there. I think I actually beat somebody, which bad for them, good for me. It's great to be here. <laughs> well, uh, you may not have beat a lot of people that day. We played at Old Town that day, uh, but uh, you've beaten a lot of people on the airwaves over the course of time. Uh, I mean, certainly congratulations on your uh, distinguished career since 1999, if my crack staff has gotten that right. Um, 
But you have covered, now this is Masters Week, so you are on the SiriusXM broadcast during this this great event, the, really the beginning of spring and uh, around the golf world right now. But talk to us a little bit about your just your love to go to Augusta and, and what the process is every year to get to be involved in the SiriusXM broadcast. Well, it's uh, it's my favorite event of the year. It's my favorite event in golf, and it's an honor to be on the team. And those aren't just things that I have to say. You rarely hear me pick a favorite, and but this is it. And one of the reasons why is it's special, and that's the word that you hear players describe and everybody involved describing the event. If you gave them one word, or if you just singled out the most used word, is it's special. And so to me, it's special. Uh, it represents kind of the 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 peak of of our sport, the peak of this job in our sport. To have gotten to sit in the 18th tower and host the Masters is not. It, it's not something that not a lot of folks have done, and I've gotten to do it, uh, and it's it's just a great thrill. So. Uh, you know, and the other thing, one of the other things that makes it special, probably for just about everybody other than the past champions is you're never quite sure that you're going to get to do it again. So it's always held with a sense of reverence. You know, it's always, you know, it, it, it's held in, in a special spot because, you know, I've, I've had several times when we weren't sure we were coming back for whatever, whoever the we was, it wasn't just Sirius XM. I've worked for a couple of different groups and uh, you never know if you're going to earn your way back onto the team. You never know if they're going to be back there. The There's the famous story about CBS with all the consecutive one-year contracts. And I don't know if that's true or not, but one byproduct of that, if that is true, is that you try really hard every single time. And you, you hold each one special because you don't know if there's going to be a next one. And that's kind of a microcosm for life. So that's how I look at it. Well, that's that's a great way to look at it. What was your first year in broadcasting the Masters? 99. Uh, my first year there was 98. Uh, first year uh, overall, though, was uh, was 99 with a credential. This is going to be my 21st, but not 21st in a row. There have been, uh, you know, we had we had a terrestrial iteration of PGA Tour Radio that was was there and then went out of business. And then I was able to join the Westwood One team. And there were a couple of years with Sirius XM. So th- there have been a couple of gaps. Uh, now, now with my second year where the credential is going to say Sirius XM on it, as opposed to Westwood one, uh, I look back, I can look back at those credentials. I have them all laid out. It's really the only sports memorabilia mural type of situation I have. They're all sitting on a, on a shelf that I have various Augusta national things on. And, and I need to probably move that to a wall. It's better. It, it, it deserves a wall more than a shelf, but <laughs> And there's, I don't know how many there are in a row. I talked to, uh, to one of my friends that that's going to his 16th in a row. I don't know that I have 16 in a row. I know that the last one was 20 and this will be 21 and I shouldn't even be jinxing it. Cause as you and I are recording this, it's not master's week yet. And I haven't touched that <laughs> credential. So hopefully this doesn't jinx it all. If so, it's all your fault. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not sure how many people are actually listening to this podcast anyways, for it to be jinxed, but, uh, no, <laughs> Come no on more, now. more more than you think, more than you think. But anyway, no, the uh, yes, it is. So it's March 27th today uh, that we're recording this. But uh, there was an interesting revelation out there that uh, we saw Tiger Woods potentially uh, 
I don't know. He's, I think he's thinking about making a run, but what would the magic be around Augusta National if Tiger Woods came back there? Well, I think he's going to. Uh, and it, by the time anybody hears this, it'll be a foregone conclusion or we'll all have heard that it, it wasn't going to happen. But I've been saying it forever uh, or for, for a few months now since I, since I saw him in the Bahamas. Uh, and the reason why I felt so strongly about it was I'm not clearly not a doctor. I have no idea what happened to his, his leg or his ankle, but we have seen him without any sort of bracing on that leg or that ankle for a long time. Now uh, I was, I saw him walk around just fine. It definitely hurts. There's definitely damage damage that may never, ever heal. And you're right. It's, it's the second toughest walk on tour behind only the plantation course at Kapalua. But I saw a guy that wanted to play. And when that guy wants to do something, you got to, a lot of things have to happen for him to not, to not get there. And we saw him swing the club at the PNC championship in December. The, the club looked good. The club had speed was there. He outdrove uh, Justin Thomas on one of the par fives. This was a driver hole. They both hit driver and, and Tiger hit it past him. Uh, the rest of the time he was hitting it out there at least near him. So the club head speed is there. Uh, this is a guy who works so hard on his physical training. It's hard for me to imagine that something physical was going to keep him out of this. And when it comes down to just, Hey, it's a tough walk. Come on. Uh, this is <laughs> this is one of the toughest competitors that's ever played this sport. I think he can handle a tough walk and it looks like that's what he's going to give it a shot. I think you're going to give it a try. Yeah. Mind, mind over matter for sure. We've seen it before and we, we may just well see it again. And uh, wouldn't that be something, but uh, your, your experience goes greatly beyond we'll get back to the masters in a moment your experience goes greatly beyond uh, augusta national and and what this week is all about i mean you've been involved in the broadcasting world we actually we got to work together the first time in 2019 at the pga championship when it was at beth page uh we had a pretty special morning there uh, a few mornings there but the, the the first morning was was pretty cool we got to cover Tiger and Brooks Kepka and Francesco Molinari. And that was Tiger's first start back after his master's win that year. So very uh, cool time there. But all the events that you've covered, is there one or two that really stick out? Well, all right. So we're going we're gonna to come back to you, anytime you're walking with Tiger anywhere, let alone in a major uh, which I've been so fortunate to do. Uh, those are the ones that jump out. I mean, he's the greatest player uh, very likely of all time. You can you have to compare generations. That's another podcast for another time. But we know what his record is. You personally know what his record is. So so to me, all of those all of those high points center around him. And we're I'm just lucky that the sport that I was covering, honestly, I wouldn't have covered it if it wasn't for him. Uh, we had our sport had the most recognizable athlete on the planet. Not not every sport can say that even in their history. But we had it, and it was because of Tiger Woods, and uh, and he's a cool dude on on the side too. I, I've enjoyed the interactions that I've had with him. But I want to back up to that PGA Championship at Bethpage because mm -hmm. you, as the leader of our Silver Club Golfing Society, just downplayed <laughs> your media experience. Uh, it needs to be said that Steve Scott got that job what on Tuesday morning. <laughs> basically yes <laughs> yeah, Tuesday morning of, of PGA championship week you find out you're doing the job and you're sitting next to me at you know sunrise Thursday morning Tiger Brooks and Francesco Molinari are going off and and the way that the TV rights worked 
the PGA championship at the time, the television coverage wasn't going to come on until later in the day. So you and I are on PGA.com. One of the value adds of the interactive coverage was this was the only place you could watch it at that time. And we were going to watch Tiger Brooks and Francesco and be the only place that you could see it. And we were the only place that you could see it for hours. Uh, I think we're the only, I, I don't know. I think they may have actually decided to come on early and gotten on before those guys finished. But you know, the first 15 or 16 holes, it was all us. And Steve Scott got the job on Tuesday and you absolutely <laughs> knocked it out of the park. You nailed it. That is, that is a, that, that was a vocal cord crippling experience potentially that could have been the beginning and the end of your career. You could have folded <laughs> up like a cheap suit, but you didn't. Our leader stood there and you utterly nailed it. And I'm uh, going to admire that for a long time. You're looking for a free silver club dues for life. I think, aren't you? <laughs> right now I'm at one event and counting. So, uh, <laughs> yes, but okay. yeah, I'm not sure that it's going to do me as much good as I, as I wish it would. <laughs> oh, that's, you're too kind. You're too kind. And yes, that was, uh, that was a, a pretty special time for sure. But to be able to, to, to cover all them, um, and you've not only covered golf at the masters, you've played there. Uh, you said you played there, what, three times, I think you said. You did ask me that. I didn't realize you were doing show prep when you asked me that. That's not nearly as many times as you've played there. I've I've played there with a couple of friends, and I did, I did win the vaunted media lottery one time. And uh, if you haven't gone into the media lottery, there's probably four or five hundred credential media members there, and and they take you know thirty ish of them sometimes 40 ish. So if it's 40 out of 400, you got basically a one in 10 chance. And then they, yeah. they tell you if you win the media lottery that you, you can't enter again for another five years. I don't know that they've always done that, but uh, the only time that I won, they said, well, you got to sit on the bench now for another five years. And I only had a credential that was eligible because I was doing this television show on a, on a regional sports network that had practice round badges. Our <laughs> broadcast rights holder badges are not eligible for that because they give the media, they, they give us spots. You know, we basically, that's part of the rights deal. And those spots are never going to get to me. But I was allowed with my practice round credential to enter the drawing. And sure enough, uh, I only did it like um, two or three times. And one of those times my number came up and I checked, I triple checked it. I said, are you sure that this is okay? <laughs> and they said, please, you know, yes, you know, hospitality is their thing there. I said, please be our guest. We would love to have you. And, uh, and it was an experience I'll never forget. It was that, awesome. That's outrageous. Well, tell us about how that day comes about though. I mean, what you just, you just drive right down Magnolia lane and you, you pull up and somebody grabs your club. I mean, do you do you hoof them from the parking lot? What do you do? Like, like take us through uh, being, you know, getting that that nod there and getting uh, getting that golden ticket, so to speak. Right. All right. So you're going to be a play, like the whole thing. Right. <laughs> so you get all that assigned to you, and I, this was the year that Angel Cabrera won, and I don't remember what year that was, but I don't believe they'd opened up the big tournament practice facility. Uh, either way, we didn't use that. So you get an invitation that says, and you, you get an email and it's, it's fantastic. Uh, and it says, all right, here's your tea time. You are, uh, you're permitted on the property one hour before your tea time. You can spend that hour however you want, 
We're going to have breakfast for you. You can go shopping if you'd like. You can spend the whole hour warming up if you'd like. You can just sit there and soak it all in, but you can come through the gates one hour before your tea time, which of course they're, you know, at the time they hadn't developed the land fully across the street from Magnolia Lane. So, you know, there was this old, old shopping center and, you know, there's three or four cars lined up over there just waiting to drive across the street. It's their turn. And I took, you know, I took that, that same spot, just waited. Uh, and, and so for me, you, the, also the, uh, we all were given a locker access and, and my locker was in the champions locker room. Oh, boy. Uh, and it was unbelievable. Byron Nelson and Arnold Palmer, I believe share a locker there. And you've been through that champions locker room. Just getting to go up there was, I mean, the whole experience was unbelievable. So we're going to use that word, but that was a part of it. Uh, I did eat a breakfast, um, not much of a, a warmer upper, uh, <laughs> but you know, I wanted to get in as much of the clubhouse as possible took a tour of the crow's nest which you stayed in uh you know all about the crow's nest and hopefully you've talked about that on this um yeah. then i went out to, to hit some balls and and met you know you're gonna meet your caddy and i had actually already met my caddy i knew who it was uh just he was a guy that had caddied in some professional events and uh and i happen to know who it was he was a club caddy a guy by the name of jody keepers by the way that's uh, cool veteran caddy cool dude so, so we had a little bit of rapport and, and we're on the old, the old practice area, not the big one, but this is the one that hits toward Washington road. And I see that big net and I'm thinking, yeah. well, you know, I'm going to whistle balls over just like John Daly did, you know, I'm one hopping them to the end of the range at best. <laughs> um, I hit one ball. I made one swing, one ball with, with perfect weather conditions. And then from my second range ball on till till I walked off the golf course, it rained the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh. But we didn't care. Yeah. Have you we, ever had so we, much fun in the rain, right? <laughs> no, no. And I had, uh, I had a pair of rain pants on and I was one pair of pants short. So I had gone to the Walmart the night before, cause it was the only place that was, uh, was open 24 hours. I procured another set of pants and yes, I was going to play Augusta national and walmart pants but i didn't have any other options well they got rained on because i didn't pull on the rain pants they got rained on and they actually ripped as i was lining up my putt on the 12th green so we went we went rain pants over just underwear for the rest of the round luckily there was not a visual difference yeah i don't (laughs) think that's uh within the rules there but (laughs) <laughs> no, it wasn't. It surely wasn't plan A or plan B, but at least I had the rain pants. Nobody knew any different. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I felt good about the fact that I felt like the rain pants were at least going to make it from from 13 T in. Now, if they'd have fallen apart, then I would had an issue. But uh, but it, they looked the same. They were the same. You know, they were black and I'd taken off black pants and nobody even knew. Uh, but it was just part of the experience. And, you know, you're right. It's one of those places where you just don't care. You're going to overcome obstacles and have, you're just happy to be there. Have you ever thought of if you didn't have rain pants with you, though? I mean, like, did you picture yourself from that 12th green onwards? Like, what were you would have done? Yeah, I, I didn't give it too much thought, but I would have played with ripped pants is what I would have done. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because it was raining, I don't know that anybody else would have cared either. I mean, at most, maybe you untuck the shirt, but I, I think I'd rather play with my shirt tucked in and pants that gave up 
than, uh, than an untucked shirt, you know, at least from the front, I would have looked like I had a decent look as opposed to showing the whole golf course that, that something had gone wrong. So, uh, and it was, again, it was also raining by the time we got to 16, it was raining so hard. I, I don't know that the groups behind us even finished and you, nobody cared what kind of pants I was wearing anymore. <laughs> oh, that's, that's too funny. Now I have to, I have to tell all of our listeners now, because you're, you know, you're a silver club member. You have to be a single digit handicap. You're not only a single digit, you're as of today, you're a 0.6 index out of uh, mm. pine, out of pine tree country club in Atlanta. So uh, very, very good player and an excellent putter. Mind you, we had a little putting duel uh, during one of our PGA Tour live uh, events recently, and uh, we happened to tie, which was which was probably the uh, that was very good and very fortunate because I was putting with your putter. And yeah, uh, you're putting arm lock. You got you got we, my putter's not even close to what you would would normally use, and I was really impressed that you attempted that with my putter. And and yes, had you used your putter, I wasn't going to win, but uh, I'm glad we tied. <laughs> so so when you played that event though back to back to the golf course to to augusta national when you played the course as compared forget the rain but as compared to when you covered it what was the big difference you know maybe how you described the golf course the next time you were there covering it for broadcasting you know after having played it you know, you, you probably have made the same observation. I think it's the same observation everybody makes. It's it's how uneven all of the ground is, and specifically the greens. And then it got me a little more than most because I was expecting it. So I get to the first hole, and I've got a big bending putt, as you would expect. And and Jody points down to the bottom of the property, and, and he points, say, everything's going to go that way from here. So that helped. And so I had a putt that, that probably had a couple of feet of break in it. Then we get to number two, and I'm not going through the whole round, but we get to <laughs> number two, and he says, what do you see? And, and I saw, I really didn't see much, but I felt like telling him that I saw something. I was like, yeah, you know what I do? I see, I see a lot of break. I see this. It's over. I got to hit this over here on the left, you know, probably two or three cups out. And I'm in there. I'm in there close. It's like a six footer. I'm just two or three cups out. He goes, no, it's dead straight. <laughs> and that <laughs> utterly ruined me for the rest of the day. Cause here I was thinking everything was going to break. And, and I got that one. I felt like a you know, moron there. So the whole rest of the day, I didn't play enough break. It's <laughs> yeah, just like, just like everybody else. So there's just more Hills. Uh, there's more gravity there. And because of that, and obviously at those speeds, and we weren't even playing tournament speeds. We were playing the morning after tournament speeds, which were still pretty fast. Uh, how much terrain there is and how much break you have to play. That's the biggest adjustment. And people say it all the time and they're absolutely right. TV doesn't do it justice. And so it's shaped the way I cover the event. Talk about how few putts are ever started inside the hole and what the entry points of those putts are. You know, very rarely is the entry point of any of those putts at six o'clock or seven o'clock or even five o'clock, you know, it, you know, a lot of these putts are going in at, at four o'clock or yeah. at eight o'clock. And then and that's, if you're lucky, you know, you're making some at, at, at two 30 sometimes, you know, they're falling in backwards yeah. and uh, boy, you do that all week long. It, you can go bald. <laughs> I, I will not uh, tell the, the uh, listeners, how you're follically challenged, but the, uh, <laughs> the, um, so, so yeah, we've had uh trip Bowden, who was a former caddy. We've had trip 
on our podcast before, and he was a former caddy at Augusta National, and he he never he always said that you don't read the greens at Augusta, you remember them, and uh, very very telling of what you said and how that uh, all kind of correlates together. But uh, um, so just kind of going back to the you know the the broadcasting center itself, if you since you covered the event in 1999. Uh, the the facilities have really changed a lot. Describe and and for those who've been through there, they you come through kind of near the you know that new media center who's been around for what maybe four or five years now. But uh, you know it looks like Disney World as you come through there. But talk to us about the insides of the the media center and the the whole uh, the amenities that you get to experience as a broadcaster there at, at the Masters. Well, the yeah, the brand new press building is just state of the art, and it has a wonderful view of you're looking all the way down range at the practice facility. Um, so we set up shop there. Uh, there are there are some broadcasters that that are set up in the, on the other side in the old TV compound, which is now on the other side of Washington Road. They built a tunnel. Uh, they're committed to all aspects of it, and it's just my opinion, but it seems like what I've heard and their actions uh, certainly have, have mirrored what, what we think their intentions are. They're committed to having the best of whatever it is. So the facilities are the best and whatever you need. Now I know that the folks at Westwood one were, were instrumental in the formation of what the radio broadcast facilities would be underneath the press building. You know, we're in the, we're, we're in the ground floor of it. I, I say we're underneath it. We're just on the ground floor of it, but the, uh, the desks where the writers sit are up above us and, uh, and, and they always feel like they're above us anyway. <laughs> so, um, but they ask the Westwood one guys, Hey, what do you need? What, what, how would you like these rooms divided up? And so they were able to build a control room and then a separate area uh, where somebody could read some other sort of updates and do, do the updates for the, for the terrestrial affiliates. And then another spot where you could do something else all at the same time. And, it's it's just the best studio that I've ever been in. And why wouldn't be a place that we work, you know, we work in for one week out of the year, <laughs> you know, that's, but it, it wasn't that hard for them to give us exactly what, you know, to, I say us, it was to give guys like, uh, like Mike Eby and Howard Denneroff, uh, and then Jeremy Davis and Justin Ware and Taylor Zarzer, give them what they asked for. Uh, as opposed to them having to come in and recreate things. They didn't want us having to duct tape things to the walls. They built it the way the professionals wanted it so that it fit what they're trying to do. And it allowed them to be the best. And you take that and you apply that to just about every other aspect of the club itself. That's what they do. So I'm sure there are some folks with blogs and podcasts that have complained about it. Uh, I'm not with them. Uh, I think it's perfect over there. Well, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, the, the press has been treated so well, and the the, the event really was uh, was was started. The time of the year really was started because of, and you can probably tell the story uh, ten times better than I could. But uh, the story really goes that the you know the media wanted a it was basically a, a halfway spot between spring training for the major leagues and all the media moving up to the New York area. And uh, what was it, Grantland Rice, I believe. The, the media worked their way up after spring training and the time of the year, really, this first week of April, you know, the start of baseball season, although it won't be this year, but uh, the timing really revolved around that. And so 
pretty identifiable with this time of the year and and how great the press are really treated uh, throughout throughout the event. Yeah, and uh, you know, I've never really considered us general press. They actually delineate and on your badge between the press and the role of a of a broadcaster or a rights holder. So, you know, their job is is different than ours. True. But back in the day, it wasn't. Everybody was rolled in together, and uh, you know, we have a we have a wonderful time hanging out together in that in that wonderful facility. Like I said, they, there are some that'll complain about it, but you're right to point it out. And and that created some agronomic issues. You're trying to play a golf tournament on, you know, that it, it's in a cool weather season on warm weather grasses, and so they had to sort that out. And obviously, you had Bermuda greens going up through 1978, and then they 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 made conversions and they've made a couple conversions. And now we know it's, it's a wintertime club and it's played on cool weather grasses and the club itself is not open during the summertime. So I don't know how much of that was a reaction to the original plan, but you wanted media attention. Uh, the plan was to sell national and international memberships. There was a plan for a second 18 holes, uh, a, a golf course for, for the wives and daughters that was going to be designed by Marion Hollins. Marion Hollins was in now, she's now in the hall of fame. She was uh, involved and instrumental in the selection of Alistair McKenzie as the designer of, of the other course. She was involved with Bobby Jones in the consultation with the big course. So they had lots of plans along the way that have been changed, but yeah, that one let's, let's put it in April at the conclusion of spring training to get some media attention that makes perfect sense. They they were in contention. They were trying to get the U.S. Open in the early days, but <laughs> moving the U.S. Open uh, that early, it was going to affect the system of qualifying for the U.S. Open. Now you'd have to be qualifying in February and March, and that was that was not super appealing to to the USGA at the time. They were going to try to figure it out, but uh, that's you know the Augusta National Invitational Tournament started because the USGA said, Hey, we can't figure out how to qualify for this. And Bobby Jones said, all right, you know, I'll just invite, I'll invite all of my friends and we'll, we'll start there. And they never had to go any other direction. That's, that's phenomenal. That's uh, absolutely perfect right there. Uh, all right. So you've been really amazing with your time. I got, I got one more, one more big question for you. And then uh, I'm going to let you go on your merry way. You have been so uh, you're, you're such a, a busy guy every week. And uh, you're, you know, one of the big things, you know, your connection with the Sirius XM radio show uh, that you do with John McGinnis, Katrick and McGinnis on tap. You can listen to that, uh, what, four to six uh, weekdays, what, Monday through Wednesday, if I'm not, for, if I'm not mistaken. Um, That's that right? right. Okay. That's right. We've been doing it. We've been doing it five days a week for a long time. But this year, beginning of the year, they decided to give us a little respite on tournament days since he and I are doing PGA tour live so often, one of us is usually working for 10 hours before the show. And uh, they said, you know what, you can skip the Thursdays and the Fridays. And we said, thank you. That was, that was very nice then. But, uh, but as far as some of the quote unquote new names on the Sirius XM broadcast this year, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a very, uh, it's a very uh, interesting lineup uh, of, of, people that have been involved in the game uh what mike tarico and steve melnick and uh susie whaley's involved in there as well and um and where will we we're going to hear you where this year yes oh i'm so glad you brought that up uh 
Taylor Zarzer and Scott Greenstein, uh, again, Justin Ware and Jeremy Davis, who I go way back with. But but Taylor and Scott are great at recruiting the game's biggest stars and really just entertainment's biggest stars. And, and it's what attracts folks to a subscription service. And they're wonderful at it. They got great personalities. They attract big names and, and folks just want to be a part of our, our little atmosphere. And it's great to be a part of it. So yes, to have Mike Tirico take my spot in the 18th tower, that's, that's one way that's, that's how it was put to me is like, Hey, you know, we're going to give Tirico your spot. That was very nice of him to say it that way. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, I kind of looked over at Taylor and said, you know, Mike Tirico is, he can have that 18th tower anytime he wants it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thrilled to be the seat warmer for, uh, for Mike and, you know, Mike would be very, uh, he would show a lot of humility about that, but we know he, he he's the premier broadcaster in all of sports right now. I don't know that there's anybody more well-rounded, versatile, or well-liked than that guy. Uh, his call of the Tiger win in 2019 was just unbelievable. And I mean, that's a, I sat in that seat earlier that day. Right. I can tell you my call wouldn't have been anywhere near as good as Mike's call. So to get to welcome him back, to get the reuniting there of he and Curtis Strange, and then you throw Steve Melnick, who was not only on the ABC team with Curtis and Mike for all those years, but he was also on the call when Larry Mize chipped it in to beat Greg Norman in 97. That was Larry Mize. Or, excuse me, that was Steve Melnick. And right. I had to go back and watch the highlight because nobody talked which by the way was brilliant. So that tells you everything you need to know about Steve Melnick. He won both the British amateur and the U S amateur the same year. So his golf credentials are unbelievable, but his broadcasting credentials, that that's a veteran call. He didn't get swallowed up by the moment. He nailed it. Uh, and, and you and I, we've both worked with Susie. We know how good mm-hmm. she is. So to yeah. welcome her to the team is going to be awesome. And then we got Fred Albers, Mark Carnivale, uh, and, and myself and with, with John McGinnis, I'm going to be at, at two some of the day, and then I'm going to be in my seat at 15 and 16, the seat that I've been in for all those years. And I can't wait to go back. Well, we cannot wait to listen to you and hear your great calls. And, uh, I know, uh, right at the top of your Twitter page, there was a, your, your call that you made on tiger shot, uh, that, that funneled down the hill to that back left hole location, the year that he won. And, most recently. And, um, it was just, uh, uh, pretty, pretty cool. Uh, so look, look, BK really appreciate all of your insight. Cannot wait to hear you this week at Augusta national and the masters and everything, uh, you do for the game and look forward to working with you, uh, again, on our PGA tour live coverage at some point. You're the real, best real soon. I enjoy working with you. Thanks for letting me be on your podcast. <laughs>